Greetings, dear listener. Greg here, one-third of your Skeptic Wire hosting team. Welcome to an episode out of time. Doctor Who, Back to the Future, Time Cop, choose whatever metaphor you'd like to use. You may be asking us right now, why was last week's episode number 113 and this week's episode is number 115? What happened to 114? Are you crazy? Well, here's the story. It all makes sense, I promise you. This week's episode was for June 12th, and on that day we recorded a lovely conversation with musician, podcaster, and general skeptical celebrity George Robb. Unfortunately, there was a small technical glitch in some of the files, and it's going to take more than a day or two to fix. On the bright side, it just so happens that because of some scheduling conflicts that would have prevented us from recording next week, June 19th, your intrepid hosts... We pre-recorded a podcast for that week, June 19th, on the same night we recorded the June 12th episode with George Robb. So rather than leave you fine listeners with absolutely no Skeptic Wire entertainment and infotainment this weekend, we're just going to go ahead and release the episode number 115 that was meant for next week, June 19th, this week for the June 12th episode. Next week, we'll release the episode we originally meant to air this week for June 12th, number 114, next week as the June 19th episode, which we'll put up Friday, which is June something. I I promise you this all makes sense somehow. It's best not to think too hard on it, because just explaining it to you right now makes me want to just kind of go lie down in a quiet room for a while. And no, that's not an adamandeve.com joke. So please enjoy episode 115 this week, and then next week will be 114, and then right thereafter we'll be back to our normal numbering sequence. Thank you for your time. We realize it's a small mix-up, and maybe you're listening to this months later, and it doesn't really matter. If you want, go ahead and listen to episode 114 first, and then 115 if you're listening to this in 2015. Uh, Go ahead. But here we go. 115. Sorry. Thank you. See you next week. The Skeptic Wire. Hello! Hello! It is the 19th of June, 2013. This is episode 115 of the Skeptic Wire. Yay! Yay! I am your I am your host, Gary Lawn, and with me this week are Greg Perrine. Congratulations to the San Antonio Spurs for your amazing victory of 10,000 points to nothing over the Miami Heat. Or I'm just not. guessing. Yeah. And Donald Swafford. I really can't follow up anything after that, you know? Yeah, quite difficult. So, it may sound like we're speaking to you live, but in fact, this is a pre-recorded podcast. It's more pre-recorded than usual, because we're actually recording it right after we, we had George Harab on the on the show. Which and was last week. Last week, which is last week's episode, but... To um, us, that was half an hour ago. Exactly. Uh, so, we're all... We're Skyping it in. Doesn't mean we're, we're going to be... I don't know what that means. We're not phoning okay. it in, we're Skyping it in. Exactly. 
So, uh, <laughs> I was going to say, how's everybody's week this week? But uh, we'll, we'll just assume that our week will haven't been good. Well, actually, by the time that this goes up, I will be hanging out with the pretty and the popular people. Oh, rubbing elbows? Yes, I'll be uh, rubbing elbows with uh, Seth Green. Oz from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Amongst other things, but yes. Or uh, Scott from Dr. Evil. Austin Powers. Yeah. Family Guy, Robot Chicken, all that. Anyway, this is not an advertisement for Seth Green. No. And I have no idea what I'll be doing this next week except for studying and recording so yay i'm hoping that by next week by the time this airs i'll be well on my way to recording the next song challenge song but you never know (laughs) you never know (laughs) uh so do we have any birthday for this week yes we have a birthday of someone who is dead it's someone who is dead what someone who is long dead okay Yay! Uh, born in June nineteenth, sixteen twenty-three, he Ooh. passed away. Sorry, spoiler alert! It was a he in sixteen sixty-two when he was just thirty-nine years of age, which for that time was a long and fruitful life. Sure, we'll go with that one. I think it, his father lived into his sixties, but uh, oh, okay, we'll, we'll yeah. go with that. I think I think sixty was probably. The, the okay, anyway, so uh, he, this this person was of ill health for most of his life, uh, but um, that's not a Renaissance type person. Not much of a clue. One of the things he was most famous for was uh, being a mathematician. He also did a lot of work with uh, hydrodynamics. Uh, oh, bugger, uh, bugger, uh, bugger! It, yeah, it, is you've it the almost guy who got it. With... I don't even have to give you the big clue. With the water screw? He came up with the water screw? No, no. no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. He did a lot of work with fluids and, like, barometers and stuff Bernoulli. like that. Bernoulli. No. Bernoulli. No. He has a unit named after him, a language named hold after on, him, a law. Pascal? Blaise Pascal. Yes. Blaise Pascal, Blaise Pascal. of Pascal's Wager was born <laughs> I got it. June 16th. 1623. Yes, Gary, finally, you are queen of the podcast. No, not really. That's after lightning round. No, that's also a birthday. Birthday guest. See, you're queen of the podcast till lightning round. And then whoever Uh, wins lightning round is queen of the podcast until the next birthday. Yeah, it's a very short reign, but enjoy it while you can. (laughs) I feel so pretty. I feel like a little girl. Sure. So, I don't know how to transition back to Blaise Pascal, but he had long hair like a girl. Yes, nice. he was lived in France, was educated by his father, kind of a homeschooled kid, but uh, very smart, did a lot of great mathematics, the Pascal Triangle, and a lot of uh, geometry and physics and stuff like that. But in 1654, he had some kind of big religious vision and essentially decided to forsake science even though he was a big science advocate a big advocate of the scientific method one of the things he's known for is during his lifetime people didn't think that a vacuum could actually exist because of the you know the old kind of i think it's aristotle who said nature ad, 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 adheres oh fuck 
abhors. Thank you. Nature abhors a vacuum. <laughs> nature nature adheres to a vacuum. <laughs> so everybody thought that everything had to travel through something. Sound had to travel through air. So therefore, there's no such thing as a vacuum. Well, Blaise Pascal did several experiments with glass jars and also proved with barometers and thermometers, that sort of thing, that yes, the the reason why the liquid can go up and down in the glass tube is because there is a vacuum there. There's nothing, there's no gas for it to push against, so it, there is a vacuum in there, and that's the only way it can work. So yeah, he, and his, uh, he, had a, he had a lab partner, Hoover, right? I, I, I was going to go with um, the uh, proper amount of suction. What is it? <laughs> The what? The the ball vacuums uh, with the proper amount of suction. Oh, uh, the Vortex guys. Dyson. Yes, right? Dyson, thank Dyson. you. Uh, yes, no. who also came up with the Dyson Cube and, and the uh, Dyson <laughs> Sphere. And, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's, uh, anyway. <laughs> but so he originally was very pro-science, very kind of, no, rationally, there has to be a vacuum there. I have proved it, you know, based on this, these experiments. And he stuck to his guns about science and the scientific method, but then he just went full-on religious, and obviously the thing he's most famous for is the Pascal's Wager thing, saying that, just believe in God, because if you're wrong about God, then, oh well, no big deal, but if you're wrong about there's no God, then you're going to hell, so you might as well believe in God, as if God can be fooled. What do you have to lose? Exactly. As if God can be fooled, as if there aren't 10,000 gods, so which one do you choose? <laughs> All that kind of fun stuff. But he, he... Yeah, but I don't think that they had the, the same idea of God back then that we do now. I don't think it was the total omniscient, knows what you're thinking kind of God. I, I could be wrong about that. I but, don't know. But, I mean, I, I think that the uh, God sees you when you're sleeping and knows everything about you <laughs> really became into the popular zeitgeist in the last what 200 you kind of the the real pious dudes that they kicked out of england that came over to the united states the puritans but um sure puritans calvinists (laughs) something like that so i could be wrong about that and i may well be well we think that pascal could be wrong about his pascal's wager pretty sure he is yep but uh so most of the the last kind of decade or half decade of his life was devoted towards basically trying to prove Christianity through philosophy and turning skepticism against itself. <laughs> yeah, because that's we know that we can prove everything through philosophy. Yeah. Log this monster. Hey, you know, what's the harm <laughs> in believing in it? So yeah, that's Blaise Pascal, born uh, 1623 and died 1662. Not entirely sure what, but apparently after an autopsy, they found he had a lot of weird stuff in his gastrointestinal thing. Plus, apparently some brain damage, which is kind of weird. Maybe that's what caused his religious conversion. Because he apparently hmm. had religious visions that set, that convinced him. And we all know that, well, at least we on this podcast know that structural changes to your brain can actually change your level of religious belief. So, who knows? Who knows? knows? Very interesting indeed. In his religious transition, had he been born, say, 60 years ago, he might have become a Mooney. Speaking of moons, 
Speaking, <laughs> speaking of moons. He also used to like to flash his ass at people. Speaking of moons. <laughs> <laughs> yes, speaking of moons, for the last week or so, and this is even back on when we're recording this on June 12th, there's been some memes going around Facebook about the supermoon. Look, up in the sky, it's a moon. moon. Yes, this is not the new movie about the ab-ripped uh, Superman. It is about... With no underwear. <laughs> this is about the supermoon that's supposed to take place on June 23rd. Faster than a speeding bullet, literally. Yeah, moon goes really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> that is me. My superpower is Captain Obvious. <laughs> <laughs> moon go really fast <laughs> I say the moon goes the exact same speed all the time but fast well yes but it's faster than a speeding bullet okay so what, what, what's this is this another super moon myth thing well so far it hasn't been so bad because the picture that's been going around on Facebook is has this year's largest and closest super moon will occur on June 23rd 2013 the supermoon is not only the closest and largest full moon of the year, it also presents the moon's closest encounter with the Earth in a long time. Well, okay. In about 13 months. Yeah, there was a big supermoon kerfuffle in 2011, another one in 2012. Those were more tied to people saying, oh, it's all about the supermoon causes earthquakes and... and Beware, beware. Where yeah, and the, well, in 2011, they also had the the Mars being as close as we're going to get. Exactly right, and this <laughs> they were saying it's going to be as large as the moon is in the sky, which is ridiculous, of course. So, but so there's some basic science to talk about here, which is the orbit of the moon around the Earth is elliptical, and it's actually not technically the Earth kind of sitting there in the moon going just around the earth because the earth and the moon are close enough in mass gravitationally tied yeah they're gravitationally tied to a central point which is not the center of the earth yeah it's the two body problem exactly so the elliptical orbit of the moon will of course it will be closer at some times further away at others closest is perigee furthest away is apogee or apogee or however the hell you pronounce Apogee. it. Apogee. You were closest the first time, but still not right. <laughs> so the the cycle between perigee and perigee of when it's closest is about 27 and a half days. The cycle from full moon to full moon is about 29 and a half days. So because of the elliptical orbit of the Earth and the full moon procession back and forth, the coincidence of a full moon and perigee happens approximately every let's say 13 and a half months but the perigee happens basically every month so the moon always gets closer to the earth and further away and we it's don't have cycle. big disasters yes <laughs> yeah it's a really neat coincidence that the full moon and the closest approach happen at the same time so they much so that it's time perigee full moon it's got a term and all that but it's not a big deal the people who made it a big deal were the media and someone who i'm going to do a little web of trust parenthetical with 
there was an astrologer, Richard Knoll. Who is an astrologer. Yes, true. There is an astrologer, Richard Knoll, who in 1979 coined the term supermoon. So actually, supermoon! Exactly. The term supermoon has been around for 35 years, thereabouts. He coined it just because it was simpler to say than perigee full moon. And basically, ever since then, he has used the supermoon as this concept of proving his astrological predictions. If you go to his website, astropro.com, which is not a sexual lubricant. I thought you could find that on (laughs) adamandeve.com. A-S-T-R-O-P-R-O. Dot com. He has a page all about how he coined the term supermoon. Now, oh. at least he's not the kind of person who's calling for Armageddon and zombie apocalypses when, or apocalypsi. What's the plural of apocalypse? Anyway. Apocalypses. Okay, we'll go with that one. Apocalypses. He's not quite as chicken little as that, but he's got this whole table and concept of the supermoon coinciding, especially with big storms and earthquakes. He talks some about the the big earthquake in New Zealand a year or two ago, um, and how one of the big aftershocks of the Japan earthquake that broke down all those nuclear reactors coincided kind of with a supermoon, if you squint. So it's it's a lot of kind of anomaly hunting and cherry picking of data of, well, not all earthquakes appear when the moon is at perigee, and not all perigees slash supermoons have brought earthquakes. So astropro.com, go give them a web of trust rating. But it's really neat science, but stop calling it the supermoon. And just so you know, according to Oxford English Dictionary, the plural of apocalypse is apocalypses. Okay. Apoc. Ellipses. So I can remember that by thinking of the dot 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 used in grammar as an ellipses, and when an apocalypse has happened, there is nothing after the apocalypse, so apocalypses. Yeah, but basically the commentary is, why would we need a plural for apocalypse? Because once it happens, aren't we all dead? Well, well minor apocalypses. If you're a fan of, of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you need a plural for apocalypse. Just to let you guys know about the Web of Trust rating for astropro.com, go and do your Web of Trust rating as quickly as possible because one of the annoying things about this guy's website is that every couple minutes you hear this cloister bell gong and the website changes pages for you. And very often comes back to his recommendation of, oh, I give on the phone um, astrological readings and stuff like that. It's only $5 a minute or anything like that. So not only does he breed ignorance and silliness on astrology, he also has a very annoying website. Yeah, that also may be just a Mac thing. (laughs) 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 Because I do get the annoying... The annoying ding uh, when I go to a page, but I have yet to have it uh, ding at me again and, and fast forward. So I, apparently he expects everyone to read at a certain pace. Is that what you're saying? I guess. <laughs> well, okay. there's also the fact that the website is white text on black background, which yeah. gives you a headache in just about 45 not, seconds. Not just, a, not just a black background, but a star-filled 
black background. So, yeah, little white gray dots all through. So it's not, it's not the easiest thing to read. <laughs> well, cool. So Web of Trust. Yes. And and supermoons are interesting. They're a ni- nice coincidence. But the supermoon out in the sky is if like the difference in the size, you cannot tell just by going out and looking at it. If yeah. you go out and take pictures, like one picture every day for a year, maybe you'll see like not the tip of a pencil, but kind of the broken tip of a pencil's width difference around the edge of the moon. There's some great pictures on, I think it's Universe Today and Phil Plate's blog. He talks about it yeah. every once in a while. You can Google it. Yeah. They're they're cool pictures. Some of them are GIFs and some of them are, are just time-lapse photos. Yeah. So Supermoon might be a good excuse for you to get your non-astronomically con- concerned friends out to look at the moon with a pair of binoculars saying, hey, isn't that neat? Let's go look at some craters and then try to turn it into primate sexy time. But <laughs> the idea that the Supermoon is anything that's going to affect earth. It's maybe it's going to affect the tides a little, but it's not going to bring about earthquakes. It's not going to bring about the zombie apocalypse. It's yeah. statistically speaking, there's no correlation yeah. between astronomical events and geologic events. Yeah. Yes. Gravity so is affected by the distance between two things, but it's enough. And the tides. Yeah. It's enough a distance that, this microphone that I'm speaking into probably has a bigger gravitational effect on me right now than the moon does. And that's, that's not that's changing my future. You don't know that. Well, okay. <laughs> We're recording this a week in advance, so we are doing our future in advance. Okay, that just gave me yeah. a headache. Someone else talk. Yeah. But speaking about getting it wrong... <laughs> There's been a lot of things, well, there's almost always something wrong on the internet, which can <laughs> keep people up at night. But this last week, there appeared to have been quite a few people getting things wrong. Sort of a uh, stop-while-you're-ahead type of getting wrong. For example, the Richard Dawkins Foundation posted on their site a, an old article uh, this, this last week about the Salvation Army spokesperson saying that gays uh, should be killed because they are a biblical organization. And this happened last year, and the guy was subsequently fired, but the RDF, and maybe the RDF, to to give them a fair shake, it might be just a, an automatic older article that they will post just to keep things going on their website. Well, the article that they posted was a shortened version of the same article that the author David Vols posted on tgvnews.com the mm. same day. So I'm thinking that the author of that article was writing about something old and it, because he's the one who also posted it on Richard Dawkins, um, maybe didn't do his full research, but that shows how the organization itself isn't vetting everything they put out. Yeah, and we do the same thing, and we're just the three people, right? So we don't always look at, at the date of things as well. Because sometimes things do come through news feeds just for whatever reason, and they're just older stuff. But they put it up, and they didn't make no disclaimers about... Well, they, they didn't do their uh, due diligence 
to to vet the information that it was current news because this is this is old news and the Salvation Army did put out a statement afterwards which the RDF hasn't updated on their website that the the Salvation Army is while they are biblical and Christian organization for certain they don't discriminate when they hand out food or or help people but then again the original conversation on the radio show that the uh, major Andrew Crabe was on that caused this mm-hmm. controversy was talking major. about the fact that several chapters in the Salvation Army Salvationist Handbook of Doctrine quote things like Romans 1, 18 through 32, which essentially, amongst other things, including being a filthy, filthy non-believer, say that any man who sleeps with a man or woman who sleeps with a woman, blah, 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 deserves to die. Mm-hmm. So it is part of their organization's motto handbook. Then again, the that Romans thing uh, in the in the King James version says that God allows them to follow their vile affections. So isn't that nice of God? Yeah. Oh, you allowed me to file my, follow my vile affections. <laughs> Just or... like you made me weird <laughs> in your image. We'll get back to the Bible in the in the moment. I think uh, <laughs> unless unless you want to talk about uh, we we are going through the verse. Uh, before the show, and I was reading the uh, God's given word of the King James Version, and Donna was reading the vile and Heretical. misguided attempt to put it into common language that we all might understand easily. I will say this, the King James Version does have... It has something. A lot of poetry. It's, it's it has poetry it's to it. Tea. Yeah. So why don't why don't you read... The Romans one twenty seven through thirty two. That's what five yeah. verses or whatever. Okay, so Romans one twenty seven, New International Version. In the same way, men also abandoned their natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it was worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they may do what they ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossip, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil, and they disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Which, okay, I understand what that means. It's, it's quite nice, but... I think we're going to see the difference between Twilight and, I don't know... Lord of the Rings? Sure. Yeah, let's go with that. So here's, here's the King James Version. Romans 1, 27 through 32. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. (laughs) Convenient? Do those things which are not convenient. (laughs) Uh, like taking out the trash. 
being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. You know, I have to say this. <laughs> I love the end of uh, 30. That whole, and they invent ways of doing evil. Oh, and they disobey their parents too. It's like, it's like yeah. you're Inventors ugly. of evil and, things. And your mother dresses you funny. <laughs> and, and you have a silly hat. And you wear glasses. You're a big poopy head. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. Well, the funny thing to me about that one verse is the order of things that it gives. It starts out with kind of something silly like backbiters, then goes to haters of God, which is supposed to be really yeah. horrible. Then, you know, despiteful, despiteful proud, proud boasters. boasters. So, inventors okay, medium stuff. Things. Then inventors of evil things. <laughs> and, um, oh, crap, there was one more thing. I'm going to do a Rick Perry. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, yeah, disobedient to parents. Like, there's no build up there. There's no idea of dramatic structure going on there. Uh, <laughs> but uh, amazing to compare just two different translations where you you see just how much the language has changed even when you're trying to keep it in English forget the whole Aramaic and Greek and Hebrew thing <laughs> where at the time these different translations were put together by committee they wanted to kind of push different agendas so they used slightly different wordings and emphasize different things so it's Anybody who says, well, you should read the Bible, you'd be a believer. Besides the fact that you can say, yeah, I do read the thing and it still doesn't make any sense. You can also say, which one? They're all right. different. And and I also kind of know where it came from. So, well, the, I think the New International Version is probably one of the more accurate translations. It's still different from the one that everyone says should be not everyone but certainly the fundamentalists say you know king james straight from god mm -hmm. but uh that really has nothing to do it <laughs> was an interesting aside yes uh digging deeper so the rdf richard dawkins foundation hasn't actually updated their website to say okay yeah but in the comment thread there's a lot of people saying okay look this is old Furthermore, it's no longer an it's not an accurate represent representation of the Salvation Army, but uh, so uh, you know. Well, it's it's the fact that somebody on, from the Richard Dawkins Foundation didn't do their due diligence. They found a story several months old and went, "Hey, this looks good. Let's just put it up." But yeah, and then didn't really try to Richard Dawkins Foundation really try to dig themselves in a hole. They didn't really dig themselves out of a hole. But there seems to That's be true. this pervasive, I, I don't know how to put it, but of you get in trouble and with the media being what it is now, where everything is immediate, where you see that you, you're in trouble and you're like, okay, I need to say something. And what do you do? You just pick up that shovel and you just keep, keep digging. I mean, the Kitchen Nightmares one, which is a fairly recent one, this is a prime example. So for our listeners who are not familiar with it, Kitchen Nightmares celebrity chef Gordon Ramsay actually quit helping a restaurant 
in Arizona. He just said, I can't help you guys anymore. Y'all fuckered up. He's an acerbic little twit, isn't he? Yes. Putting yeah. it mildly. He helped out this place called Amy's Baking Company. They touted their freshly made baked goods, which apparently were bought from somebody else. They weren't baked there on the thing. They treated their employees horribly. Said, oh yeah, we pay them so much more money, but we take their tips. Shit like this. What do they do? They're all like, he's ugly and and this is not how it went down and you know when it started to come out it was just one of those things and then they started taking after people who were like going wow what the fuck and just was like i'm going to sue you and you can't talk about me like that way on the internet yeah the the whole uh streisand effect and the internet doesn't forget and we have lots of trolls I mean, one of their comments was, I'm not stupid, all of you are. You just don't know what good food. (laughs) It is not uncommon to resell things. Walmart does not make their electronics or toys so lay off. Walmart advertises that they don't make, you know, it's pretty common (laughs) that when you walk in there and you see something made by Mattel, kind of assume it's made by Mattel. Yeah, and they sell it in the packaging. And they don't take it out of the pack- packaging and then put it into a microwave and then give it to you as a freshly made pastry. So it's just, you know, this whole thing. But, I mean, we saw it earlier with Applebee's when they did it with the, the waitress who'd taken the picture of the, the receipt the with the pastor. Once again, you know, people are not learning. It's an instantaneous world. It's one of those things where Applebee's and the Kitchen Nightmares thing... There's a reason why people hire publicists, because <laughs> off the cuff, and especially trying to comment on the internet, your emotions take precedence. And when you have a big organization like the Richard Dawkins Foundation, you have to make sure that all your ducks in a row, otherwise your organization is going to look bad, and that's going to stay looking bad for a long time. Some people have kind of forgotten about the whole Salvation Army thing. So maybe sometimes it's a good thing for some place like the Richard Dawkins Foundation to point out these old stories. But that's more something like at Christmas time to say, by the way, let's remind you of these three or four horrible stories that came through for these other organizations. Maybe you don't want to give their money. Not in the middle of the summer, some stupid article about <laughs> pretending that it's brand new news. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm constantly reminded of the scene from The West Wing where C.J. Craig has had... Uh, she said to have massive dental work and Josh Lyman goes in and he goes, Oh, I can handle the press conference and just <laughs> screws it up by saying like he, the press just laid him down and he ends up saying that he's got, you know, this secret plan to fight inflation and everything else. And you just see CJ's head practically exploding when she's all like, shut him up. Leave it to the professionals. Right, and then at the end, with uh, President Bartlett going, you don't approve of the secret plan you said that we had? (laughs) Yeah. But uh, another another company that had, a larger company, in fact, that had a PR problem was Abercrombie & Fitch, which I can never pronounce properly. It's because you're not skinny enough. The hell I'm not. But that's exactly the problem they had, was the owner, the CEO, founder of it, 
came out and said the reason that we don't do anything larger than a size 10 is 10's just, that's large enough and everybody else's, you know, we don't want to see heavier or larger people in our clothes. We just want the Or in our stores. Skinny. Or yeah, even in the stores. They yeah. actively did not want anybody above a, above a size 10 in their store or wearing their clothes. I think this this past week they've started an anti-bullying campaign and the Association for Eating Disorders I, I believe yeah. National Eating Disorder Association there you go and yeah. yeah somewhere like that it has come out and said okay you can't say that we don't want heavy people and then have an anti-bullying campaign it, there's there's a lack of self-awareness going on with that it's like a big oil company that's known for bursting pipelines or something like that going out and saying oh we're going to donate a million dollars to save the whales that makes us okay environmentally right right (laughs) right (laughs) i'm wondering what what the what the blowback on it will be and uh whether People will call them out on it and say, okay, if you're going to be doing this anti-bullying, you've got to do a little bit more to not create the bullying in the first place. And the the sad thing about this is there was a in-person meeting between several people, including the head of the National Eating Disorders Association and a nutritionist and a self-esteem person and a, you know, a, an activist for teen disorders, that sort of thing. And the people at Abercrombie and Fitch to say, these are the things you're doing wrong. One, you know, you have to have other sizes. You have to have diversity in your models. You have to have diversity in your store. You can't do stuff like that because it's affecting people's self-esteem. And this is leading to a bullying problem. All apparently Abercrombie and Fitch heard was, oh, bullying is a problem. We'll donate money for stopping bullying. <laughs> Yeah. As opposed to, no, no, what you are doing is contributing to the bullying your, problem. Your business practices are the problem. Yeah. So they they miss the point or deliberately miss the point. Yeah. And at the same time, I can understand, okay, maybe they, uh, it's their business, so they cannot make larger clothes if that's what they want to do. If they want to, re- if they want to reduce the mo- the number of people that they could sell it to, sure, then fine, but don't be assholes about it. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's pre- precisely correct. You know, and say then... Victoria's Secret only sells to women because <laughs> only women are wearing the products that Victoria's Secret sells. That's fine. They only want to sell to half the population. That's fine. But I don't think they're not they're, being assholes about I it. I don't think that they're just selling to half the population. Okay, yeah, I think there's men are buying the products, but they're not using the products. I think there's some men using the products. Okay, I a know vast some majority that of men. <laughs> Come on, man! You're the one who's supposed to have the open mind here. A vast majority <laughs> of males are not using Victoria's Secret products. Oh, Victoria's Secret themselves also have kind of a size problem. I've I know I've gone into Victoria's Secret from time to time to think about maybe I could get something for Girlfriend X or um, whoever I'm engaged to at the time or something. And Girlfriend X. <laughs> Sugar and spice and everything nice. Uh, who, who is Girlfriend X? X? 
<laughs> right now, imaginary. Um, so I remember, depending on who I was dating at the time, there was not anything I could buy for her because they didn't go for full sizes unless it was something like um, a muumu. So they didn't have like the sexy panties. But they're not being dicks about it. That's the point. Yeah, yeah and that's exactly what Abercrombie and Fitch was doing a couple of months ago. They were like, "We no fatties. They might as well just put that on their windows. Yeah. <laughs> now, the but, weird thing about that situation is I was also conflicted about some of the responses slash backlash to it. Because you had some people calling for everybody to donate all their Abercrombie. All their ABBA stuff. All their ABBA albums. <laughs> all their Abercrombie and Fitch clothing to homeless people. Right. And, and, say, and just have all homeless people wearing their clothing to do a dig to Abercrombie and Fitch to say, you know, we don't, we don't like your clothing, so we're going to give it to homeless people. That's kind well, of a there's... dick thing to do to homeless people. Not why. Because giving, giving it's them cl- giving them giving them clothes, not the giving of the clothing things, but we're going to give oh, it to homeless but... people because homeless people are dirty and uh, yeah, yeah, not true. worth your time. Yeah, but that's that. It's tough because when you're you're fighting against someone, and you are getting a a uh, an unwilling participant in in your game. It's it's like a comedian going after a heckler's girlfriend. Yeah, which sucks. But there's a benefit in the the uh, Abercrombie and fit, the the guy buying it from the Goodwill stores and giving them to people. Uh, in that, you know, they're they're closed then. They're yeah. Closed. Well, that's why I was conflicted about that. I understood the purpose exactly. of it, but it was still a little bit of a dickish move. It, it, and it's yeah. certainly a dig against the homeless people. I mean, you could just say I would be more comfortable with them saying we're going to have a bonfire. We don't want mm. our Amber Carby and Fitch stuff anymore. So, I mean, even though even as close as that is to a good old fashioned book burning, <laughs> it's still not trying to say you're being bad to this one class of people who are overweight. So we're going to use homeless people as a negative. You know what? No, yeah. I, I disagree with you. Burning Abercrombie and Fitch clothes is nothing like a book burning because you're not destroying an idea. You're not destroying somebody's thought process. You're not destroying what somebody takes away from it. You're, it's a piece of clothing. Well, I was yeah, speaking. It's a fashion in, statement. It was, it was reminiscent of. It's, it has associations too. It's more reminiscent yeah. of bra burning in the 60s. I think that would be a more accurate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There, there is a difference. That's why I'd be more comfortable with the good old-fashioned Abercrombie and Fitch bonfire of clothing. That's interesting. That's an interesting point. That because it's almost the same idea behind the burning, but you're doing it for completely different reasons. Because you're trying to get you, or even burning the American flag or anybody's flag, right? Um, because book burning, you're trying to destroy the idea, whereas but when you burn your bra, you're also trying to destroy the idea of being uh, held back and tied up, right? But a bra or a pile of Abercrombie and Fitch clothing is more... Uh, it's symbolic. It's symbolic, exactly. Right. Or so burning of the not, flag. 
Yeah, it's not burning the the book because you despise the book. You're despising the ideas in it, and you're trying to get rid of it. As opposed to, say, burning someone in effigy, was, which is more of a physical threat of, we want to hurt you. Hmm. So burning can be used in some ways as a... Cleansing. Protest argument, like you said, cleansing. Or yeah. it can be using your hate to try to destroy something like a book burning, which is not a good thing. Hmm. But it now a, most it's people a very just... fine line. <laughs> yeah. But now most people do is do a change.org petition, which... Or... Makes you feel good from your couch, but doesn't do a lot. <laughs> right, I was going to say. Or, you know, write up a, a, a strongly worded missive on Yelp. <laughs> or, or pray. Well, hell, Yelp can be extremely effective. It was a whole stream of Yelp reviews that took down that gelato place that in, that uh, went mm -hmm. hog wild over atheists at Skepticon a couple of years ago. It was yeah. a lot of negative reviews of... You know, how dare you be so bigoted that atheists aren't allowed in your shop or something like that. That Those kind of reviews shut places like that down. Yeah, that's that's true. So And also also bolsters them with the, like with, with the atheist meetup in Oklahoma where, <laughs> where the uh, barbecue place got us. Well, actually, I don't think they got any more business than they would have. I think they got the same exact same amount of business for for standing up for their Christian principles. Well, just like sometimes after they the whole Chick-fil-A kerfuffle last year, in some ways Chick-fil-A got more business because more Christians wanted to buy there and Christians outnumber us atheists and gay-friendly people. Yeah, I think my guess is they got a very brief boost. Yeah, exactly. And then it went back to normal. Mm-hmm. So we're we're talking a little bit about not being a dick about your your protest and or not not being a dick about your your product and where you send the product and a couple of was it last year or the year before the uh, Tam had the don't be a dick uh, it, it was sort of like a a minor a theme of the event it was a Phil Plate speech and it was Tam eight so that was. Basically, three almost three years ago. Three years ago, okay. Because uh, they seem to be having a slight problem with that now, from what I'm seeing on the interwebs. Uh, they've they're 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 claiming that they're one of the least expensive uh, skeptic me uh, conference to go to. And I know JT Eberhard posted a breakdown of why it's not actually the cheapest, so it's sort of mischaracterization. It appears that the higher-ups for TAM are being a little bit snarky about people not agreeing that they are inexpensive. Because it's not cheap to go to TAM. Right. It's, a, it's an excellent conference. According to the blog, Dubito Ergo Sum... The TAM total to attend, including lodging, um, the conference itself, all of that jazz, is approximately $982. I'd agree with that, having gone a few times. 
Yeah, and that's a four-day conference that that includes what breakfast, a couple of breakfasts, uh, a couple of meals, other a couple of lunches, no dinners, but also the main conference itself is several hundred dollars. But if you want to do the workshops, that is, that's another maybe hundred dollars or so. And then there's evening activities, performances, and stuff like that, which are anything from thirty to forty-five bucks each. Okay, so so, so this it adds is, up. It's a yeah, it's it's a typical conference there's if you go to a corporate conference they have sort of a similar thing although i think a lot of the conference evening stuff is usually partially paid for uh it depends on which conference depends on the, go on to. the thing yeah and whether you're good but i mean a thousand dollars for four nights 250 bucks for f- all day events for some really good speakers i mean that's not bad but it, what they're doing, uh, DJ Grothy, it appears, is instead of pointing out the benefits of what you get for that price, he's arguing about the price tag. Really, uh, he should be more pro-TAM than negative other conferences. Does that make sense? I don't know. <laughs> I haven't read what he said, so I can't really comment on that. Okay. I you know I know that in the end, if you look at the numbers, yeah, TAM is maybe about a thousand dollars, and then maybe something like Skepticon, which there's no registration fee, but maybe flights into Springfield, Missouri, may be more expensive because it's not as much of a hub, and the mm-hmm. hotel maybe you know TAM they can get a better deal because one it's Las Vegas, but also. They go there every year and they produce a lot of money, so maybe they can give a slightly better deal on the hotel. So, yeah, there are advantages here or there. If you don't have to fly in, TAM is cheaper if you can just drive in from Los Angeles or something. But if you can just drive into Skepticon, it's also cheaper. So Mm -hmm. there is a little bit of apples to apples, sorry, apples to chainsaws going on here. But if you average that all together, in some ways... TAM is generally more expensive on average. And that's not really something you can argue the numbers wise, which is I'm, sh- I'm, I'm weirded out that this has become a controversy <laughs> that someone has to defend. It sounds like I don't want to assign anything to DJ Grothy, but it sounds like someone basically saying, well, I'm just going to stick my ground and fight it out for fighting sake, as opposed yeah. to, yeah, okay. I can see where you might be there. I just wanted to talk about, like you said, Gary, I wanted to talk about the value of TAM in yeah. general, saying that it's it's expensive in one ways, but you do get a lot out of it, and it could be worse. It could be a $20,000 conference or whatever, something like that, or uh, some horrible number. So I just well, don't I mean, understand yeah, why I, he's I tri- doubling down. Yeah, I mean, IEEE conferences uh, for, for just a couple of days will, will run two to $4,000. Yeah, and it's the same with... Um, anthropology it's it's the same thing the problem that i have with what dj grothy did is so he sends out an email uh for angula posts it of course with his little commentary he spends more time nitpicking which he dj grothy dj grothy spends more time nitpicking about all of these other factors that really it's not well he he says it's a it's a much higher quality event than other skeptical conferences. And that uh, is a debatable. No. The the one That's point that he does make is the fact that they do have more speakers, more events and everything else. 
Great. That is a great point to make. That is a point to make in favor of TAM. But when you sit there and you go, oh, well, basically, we're better than Skepticon and CSICon and these other ones. That's not. That's being a dick. It, it borders yeah. on being a dick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, it, and it comes to get somebody who's good at PR to handle this. Uh, I understand, you know, DJ Grothy is what? He's the big Tam guy. He's, he's the, the president he's the of the JREF. He's the president of JREF, then he needs to, I think, from this last kerfuffle, possibly talk with a uh, well, someone who's better. It's the same thing that happened PR. last year. I mean, he pulled the whole thing of, oh, there's you know no incidences of harassment at TAM, <laughs> and then all of these people who were going, uh, yeah, um, right here, remember me, blah 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 blah. <laughs> And he's all like, no, there were no incidences of harassment. Oh, oh. Not quite that way, but. <laughs> you know, but. Harumph, 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 harumph. He then <laughs> went ahead, and when PZ Myers posted this, he still kept digging, though. Because if you read the article that PZ mm. has posted, there's another email where he was all like, just basically like calling PZ an asshole for even posting it because. It wasn't meant for you. You mean no. it wasn't meant for public consumption? No. Apparently what happened is the email that was sent out, PZ Myers was included on it. Everybody who was on the JREF mes- messaging list was included on it. I got it because I've been to TAM. Right. The original sign of these are six great, great things about TAM that'll bring you there. And there were other things like we get great speakers and we have, you know, all your biggest friends and all that I kind guess of thing. But they the had response thing. email that he wrote was not meant for PZ Myers. Apparently, when he realized that PZ Myers had gotten it, he immediately sent an email saying, hey, we're very sorry, you were put on the list. We didn't mean for you to be put on the list, blah, 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 blah. And then when it got posted, he was all like, how dare you post this? And, you know, it's a impressive mischaracterization and, and all of this, you know, just went in and PZ Myers was like, no, I didn't see the other emails until I went searching through the mess. And uh, I see that he didn't. And even so, you know, once you send something out, it's in the it's in the ether. You have to be careful when you send emails out because someone knows somebody and right. That's why you always check the reply all button (laughs) versus NSA Thunderfoot. That's why you always check to see if you hit the reply or reply all button. Right. <laughs> not only should you not post something to Facebook you wouldn't want your mother to read, you shouldn't email something you wouldn't want your mother to read. So, because <laughs> it's very easy true. to duplicate. It's just one of those yeah. things of if you've put something out there and people are calling you out on it, sit there and look at it honestly first before you start getting into that. Oh no, that's not how it is. Blah blah. You know. But it's so natural. To be defensive. I'm not entirely surprised that DJ basically got defensive about it and was trying to say, no, no, I was right the whole time. It's a common thing that we always talk about in skepticism, cognitive dissonance. We want to think that we are right and we didn't get anything wrong. It's hard to admit you're wrong. It's just one of those things was we as skeptics have to be better than that. We have to, like you said... We have to be the ones to stop first and think before we respond. And that is so incredibly difficult, which is what we're trying to do as a well, movement. 
and it's it's also skeptics are also like to argue. <laughs> <laughs> so so it's also a knee jerk reaction to to just go ah no uh, I take the opposite position of you, <laughs> <laughs> or you know you're coming from the two equally valid points of view. You're going to argue your position anyway. So right. How do we stop this? Well, like I said... Don't be a dick. I mean, there was many ways that he could have gone with it. You know, first off, promoting that it's four days, not two days. Promotion of, you know, the fact that they do have many big name, high quality events. All of these things, rather than... Somebody's talking bad about me on the internet. And in the interest, finally, to admitting that you make mistakes... This week on the Facebook page, we as a podcast made a couple mistakes. One, no. yes. Uh, one last week, Donna posted a article about how this one artist drew up his ideas of what humans might look sixty thousand, a hundred thousand years in the future. And a few days later, I posted not the same article, but the same discussion on the same article. So. I made a mistake in that I didn't look through the old articles to see what Donna had posted. Yeah, and then but that's not really a mistake. That's just double posting. And then and I did it this we also, week. Yeah, Donna also reposted a, the, an article that one of our listeners, James Stringer, posted to our page the week before about yeah. a kid who used basically everyday objects to build himself a one-man submarine. Which is totally cool. Which is cool. awesome. But yeah, we, we make mistakes and... I mean, these were tiny mistakes, so it would take more effort for us to build up our dander and be all defensive about, no, no, yo, Donna posted it wrong, or listeners, when they post, we can't ever see it on the list, and we could be defensive about that, but... So, here I go. we made a small mistake. As the mistakes get bigger and bigger, like the stakes about sending an email about promoting Tam to the president of the JREF is a bigger stake... Like defending your bakery business when your TV show goes off the rails. As the stakes get higher and higher, people get more out of sorts about, well, oh, I got to defend this. I got to well, save they, this. they dig in. They dig in. Exactly. Right. And so I would like to make a formal apology to James Stringer for not realizing that I was, I had found something neat. I posted it. I apologize for not reading that he had already done it. I am sorry. The bright side to that and my reposting your thing is at least we can say great minds think alike. Yes. Nice recovery. (laughs) (laughs) This is why I don't post. I (laughs) guess that brings us to the The lightning round! round! Yay! Yay! Yes! Were you about to do a Wookiee thing? No, just sort of a mumpety, mumpety kind of yay! Yay! That's a Wookiee thing. (laughs) That's a Wookiee Lightning round. Uh, Yes, the lightning round, where we get 90 seconds to fill in the blank answers. We're doing something special this week, are we not? Yes, we are. Um, Because, as we said at the beginning of the show, and as evidenced by the fact that I don't know who won the NBA championship, so I just kind of guessed I got a 50-50 chance to be right. You probably actually, if you would do the math, you might have a better chance of guessing who's going to win. But I don't care about basketball, so okay. I'm not going to tax my brain that way. I'm going to finish. Right. So this. you, so you specifically have a fifty-fifty chance. Exactly. 
And because you live in San Antonio, it is far better for you to say Spurs than the Heat. Yes. Though, in, <laughs> in some ways, I'm not sure which team I want to win, because I don't know which would make San Antonio's more likely to riot. Oh, uh, well... Or at least... If, if, if the Spurs win, we riot happily. If the Heat win, uh, we set fire to small children. Fuck. Angrily. <laughs> um... Also, or if, which if one, they, if, which one if might he, make more drunk drivers on the road? Either people uh, celebrating no. or commiserating. Yeah, there's uh, doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. You're screwed either way. So I'm uh, staying how, home. However, if the Heat win, it's kind of like the uh, Puxicani Phil uh, putting, putting up his head. If the Heat win, that's uh, seven lean years or something of uh, seven years of summer. I don't know. <laughs> okay, but I can tell by your your faces that you're nonplussed, and they just want me to shut up. <laughs> so the reason why we're talking all this blather is because we're recording in advance. We don't have a new week's worth of stories to talk about. So the special thing about this week's lightning round is I'm gathering all the questions that I didn't ask for the last couple weeks that weren't in the six to eight questions that you were able to answer in, in the 90 seconds. And I'm going to ask old stuff, Yay. which is going to be interesting for all of us. Cause I may forget <laughs> how to read the question just for the fact that it's old or may have done something like saying this week, something happened and it's not that week anymore. Do you, do you need people who are experts at deciphering ancient documents and filling in the blanks like they did with the, the oldest known extant Bible. Uh no. Or are they are they not <laughs> they not that rotted away? No, no, they're not rotted away. They're just okay. old. And okay. as we all know by the last birthday we had, old is bad. Speak of yourself, man. Jeez. Old <laughs> <laughs> good. I haven't started selling kids to get off my lawn yet so i'm not old so fuck you okay moving on what yes. are we doing oh we're doing the <laughs> lightning round <laughs> what an unnatural edit we had right there <laughs> all right so gary you ready for the timer uh yes yes i am i think we did donna first okay donna went first last week so maybe we should give you guys a little bit more time to maybe get one or two actually correct but no 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 we, we have to seconds. do it as quickly as possible yeah okay <laughs> So the timer will begin 90 seconds when I finish your first question. It'll begin question. when I start it. Jesus. <laughs> Anger. I'm glad I'm all across town from you right now, Gary. You take Give a swing at me more otherwise. Time. <laughs> all right. Uh, Stanford University researcher Ferdos Darbar discovered that subjecting mice to minor stress before blank makes the blank more effective. Uh, vaccines? Very good. Uh, the Himalaya pink, uh, pink sea salt has a very large label on their bottles de declaring that their product is... 100% nat oh, oh, uh, organic. Uh, GMO-free? I'll give that to you. Non-GMO. Non-GMO, yeah, yeah. The German software SAP... Uh, the German software company SAP announced that they're going to have a worldwide recruitment drive that will target potential employees with blank. Uh, uh, autistic people. Very nice. Um, a report from the NIS Institute of Mes Medicine suggests that lowering blank 
intake below 2300 milligrams per day may be harmful to your health. Salt? Scientists found that taking time-lapse photographs of developing embryos can be used to blank. Uh, determine if there will be growing up to be autistic or something. (laughs) If they're going to have birth defects. Birth defects. Yeah, it's kind of close. On May 21st, 2013, Portland, Oregon voters rejected a proposal to treat the city's water with blank. Uh, fluoride. Good. UK researchers have found a correlation between parents who co-sleep with their newborns and blank. Co-sleep with newborns and, uh, who don't. (laughs) (laughs) Sudden infant death syndrome. Sudden, SIDS, yeah, 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 yeah. Not bad, Gary. Not bad at all. You got five five correct and two wrong. I think you may have this one. Pretty good. Maybe. Okay. So, uh, Donna, you all ready to go? Ready. All right. I live in the past. That's why I got them right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The British company Initial Washroom Hygiene found that one in five blank contain a significant amount of harmful bacteria. Sponges. Women's handbags. A report by the UN Food and Agricultural Organization says that blank could help boost nutrition and reduce pollution. Eating insects. Ooh, good. Um, American Atheists announced that... um, Thanks to a grant from the Todd Stiefel Foundation, a blank will be installed outside the Bradford County Courthouse in uh, Florida. Atheist Monument. Uh, a campaign ran by stand-up comedian Doug Stanhope called Atheist Unite raised over $100,000 for blank. Uh, for the woman atheist uh, that what Wolf Blitzer interviewed. Yes, Rebecca Witzman. Uh, a 15-year-old boy from the Nanjing carved the words Ding Zhao was here into blank. Oh, shit. I it's caught. I don't remember, but it's something famous. <laughs> uh, a Luxor temple Egypt. in Egypt. Oh, uh, nice. Lawyers for the Kunz, Texas district are appealing a court case to get clarification on how and in what way they can restrict cheerleaders blank. From putting Bible verses on the breakthrough thingy. Uh, Researchers reporting in the journal Pediatrics have found evidence to suggest that the blank scare of the 1980s may have been overblown. Oh, the... uh, Hold on. Uh, The witchcraft scare, wasn't it? No. Sorry, it was the crack baby scare. Crack baby. So, Donna, you had four correct and three wrong, which makes Gary today's queen of the podcast, double queen, because you also got the birthday. Double queen. (laughs) I was... You are such a queen, Gary. (laughs) That came out wrong. I apologize. He gets celebrated for getting both of them, but I didn't get it on the last episode. Well, that last episode you shared with George. He got one, I got one, I got two. Fine, you are double queen of the podcast. You keep being queen of the podcast. You are so much an uber queen that wait, you have... Wait, that, uh, she gets to be queen for the entire week with a co-queen? <laughs> In my point of view, you guys are both queens of the podcast. Aww. In my heart. 
That's so lame. <laughs> which is unfortunately <laughs> causing a clog, which is going to make me die. We're all queens in God's eyes. <laughs> sure, we'll go with that one. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, I guess that, that, that'll bring us to the end of this podcast. Yes, we, we appreciate you all joining us next week for the podcast we recorded last week, depending on your <laughs> point of view. It's all kind of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey. It's a ball of stuff. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, way to bring up a, a bad memory of Doctor Who leaving. Or the current Doctor Who, of course. Yes, at the end of the year after the Christmas special, Matt Smith will no longer be the Doctor. Oh, well. Maybe it'll be a woman. Maybe it'll be a non-white male. I'm thinking not. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> okay, well, thank you for joining us this week. Uh, if you enjoy... What? 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 One thing I forgot to mention, here in San Antonio on July 6th, none other than friendly atheist himself, Hemet Meta, will be giving a speech down here in San Antonio. So if you're in the area, come on down and see Hemet Meta, but also we'll be there. So we can all chat and be friendly and stuff like that. Yep. It'll be at uh, 7.30 at the Radius Cafe. For Just look it up if you're going to be here. And you can also go to the... What church is he talking at? Oak what? Hills Church. Oak Hills Church, which is a big mega church uh, outside 1604 off of I-10. So he'll be talking there. I think that's free. You can go if you be respectful just to give him some uh, support. Yes, because so he's be not even listed well. by his name. He's listed as the eBay atheist. As the eBay oh, atheist. And that's not even his most recent book. Nice. So, um, yeah, so that, that'll be sponsored by the San Antonio Coalition of Reason and uh, the Freethinkers Association of Central Texas. Not the church one, but the, the talk at the Radius Cafe. Yep. All right. So thanks for joining us this week. Uh, and we will talk with you next week. Bye-bye. Sounds good. Cheers. Yeah, that's enough, Gary. My butt's falling asleep. Okay. Yeah. Bye, everyone. All right, we done? We done. Bye. The Skeptic Wire podcast theme music is by Oscar Lawn with guest mandolin by Greg Perrine. If you've enjoyed listening to The Skeptic Wire, leave a review on iTunes or leave us a voice message via the PodPosted app for iPhone. Friend us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at The Skeptic Wire. Follow our blog at skepticwire.blogspot.com or send us an email, skepticwire at gmail.com. You've been listening to The Skeptic Wire. Thank you.